I want to share a few thoughts. I, I ran across a, uh, a website. I'm not going to name any names or anything, but I ran across a website. Actually, someone told me about the website, so I looked, looked it up. It's a website about... Um, it's, it's, it's a website that believers have put together that have come out of a church that was very legalistic and authoritarian and there's been a lot of hurt, a lot of spiritual abuse and hurt. Um, so I want to just share a few words about that issue this morning and, and, um, and I think it will be encouraging to all of us. And So, cool. I think we've all at some point experienced something like that because it's, it's not really isolated to one denomination or one church. I mean, it's pretty, pretty much when you don't get the gospel right, all kind of problems happen. So, so we'll look at that for a few minutes this morning and then uh, go from there. Cool. Lord, thank you so much for opening our eyes to your goodness. You are the good shepherd gave your life for the sheep. You know them by name and they follow you and they hear your voice and they will not follow a stranger. Thank you, Lord, for your peace. Thank you that you are the shepherd and guardian of our souls. Thank you that you delight to be with us. And to lead us to still waters, green pastures. You're a good shepherd. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I ran across this. Well, I didn't run across but someone told me about this website. So I checked it out. And these are, these are believers that are coming out of a, of a church that has um, has cause some hurt because of the way they have, number one, uh, understood the gospel, which is the heart of the problem, and number two, um, the way they have seen their role in other people's lives as leaders and, and of, the, of the flock of God. And so um, just to share a few thoughts so that uh, I know that some of these saints um, may even check out the website and listen to this message. So I'm um, hoping that it'll be an encouragement to those who do happen to hear this message and be encouraged. Um, to begin with, sometimes we see all these issues in churches and stuff, and, and I think people try to tweak. I see one thing I see in this group is they, they're, sometimes it seems like they're, their focus is more in trying to tweak the leaders or change the leaders and get the leaders to change the way they do things. But to me, the heart of the issue is not really the leaders. That's just a symptom of a problem. That's just a manifestation of a problem. And the problem is not seeing the gospel correctly. If you don't see the gospel correctly, it it leads to all kinds of uh, fleshly manifestations. Um, Paul talked about those who would distort the gospel of Christ. Distort the gospel of Christ. The gospel can be distorted. And he said that in the context of legalism and law. And um, when you mix law and grace or flesh and spirit, um, life and death, 
uh, it's always going to be a problem. A little bit of leaven, Paul says, leavens the whole lump. Um, because the grace of God really is, and the finished work of Christ really is, an entirely new way of seeing reality. Um, that's what Jesus meant um, when he talked about, last Sunday we talked about the, the two shirts. You know, you can't cut a hole in a new shirt, repair the old shirt. You just, it won't work for the old shirt and it just, you just ruined a new shirt. That's what he meant about the new wine must be, must be put into new wineskins. Paul said that in his Corinthian letter, he said, the Lord's, he said, he said God has made void or uh, vain the wisdom of this world through the cross. Uh, the prophet said, behold, I do a new thing. Consider not the things of old. I do a whole new thing. It's a whole new perspective, a whole new reality from God's perspective of what he did in Christ. The reason why the wisdom of God makes void the wisdom of this world is because the wisdom of this world does not know or see or understand the removal of sin from mankind through the cross. They, they don't believe it. They don't see it. Religion doesn't believe it, doesn't see it. Um, the removal of sin. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world is the good news. And the world and religion doesn't see that, doesn't believe it, doesn't want it, whatever. In addition to that, religion and natural man does not see the new creation. It's spiritually discerned. It's foolishness to the natural mind. And yet it is the wisdom and power of God, the new creation, the new birth, the, the uh, joining of man to God, whereby God is actually living in man and through man. Religion and natural man does not see that, cannot comprehend it. Um, so those two things, the death of Jesus speaks of the complete removal of sin because he did become sin for us. And God condemned all sin in the flesh. The law being weak through the flesh could not bring righteousness. Therefore, God did by condemning sin in the flesh through Christ. He became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So the death of Jesus removes all sin. God was in Christ reconciling the whole world unto himself, not counting their sins against them anymore. In this new covenant, I'll remember their sins no more. I'll be merciful to all their iniquities. It's, it's huge. It's the good news. It's what opens the heavens. And it also, it's what qualifies us to be raised from the dead. We were dead in our sins. And so God who raises the dead and calls into being that which did not exist before is the new creation. It's the new birth. It's the, it's the awesome work of God. As Jesus said to the Pharisees, he said, you greatly err in your doctrine because you know not the scriptures and you know not the power of God. Those two things. You know not the scriptures and you know not the power of God. So religious people have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. The power of a complete reconciliation. The power of a complete atonement. The power of a new creation. A new life. They know not the scriptures, nor the power of God. And so that's the problem. That's where it begins with a distorted gospel. Um, and so it's very important that... Um, that that be the foundation for growth and for understanding. Otherwise, it's going to be just all kinds of problems. Now, one thing that, that um, you see happening, if someone doesn't see, if, if leadership in a church doesn't see that God has forgiven all sin, and that sin has been taken away, and if leadership doesn't see 
that you have a new heart, that you are a new creation. If leadership maintains that you still have sin in your heart as a believer, then that's the platform by which spiritual abuse can happen. Because if you, if you can be convinced that you need someone else to tell you how to live your life, if, you need, if, you can, if, if someone can convince you that you need them as your mediator between God and you, that's the seed of spiritual abuse. God did the new covenant. He, the way he did it was awesome. He said, they all shall be taught of the Lord. Because we have a new heart, we can hear him. We can follow him. In fact, who are the sons of God but they who are led by the Spirit of God, the Scripture says. So, to encourage the saints to hear Christ is the, the, the heart of the Holy Spirit. That's the heart of the Holy Spirit. John says, you need no man teach you. See, the apostles were bold about this. We're not so bold in today's church to say things like this, but not the apostles. They trusted the Christ in each believer. They didn't want to make disciples of John or disciples of Paul or disciples of Peter or disciples of Apollos. They wanted to make disciples of Jesus. And that's the Holy Spirit's heart. Hear him. Follow him. The Father spoke from heaven to Peter, James, and John and said, hear him. Hear him. So... John says, you need no man teach you, but the anointing which abides within you shall lead you into all truth, and you shall abide in him. When you start feeling that, that uh, I don't know, just a leading where someone is saying to you that, you know, I need to be somehow your mediator between you and God, then that's, that's a red flag. It should be a huge red flag. Now, what I'm not saying is that we shouldn't humbly receive from our brothers and sisters because Jesus speaks through our brothers and sisters. But you, you hear for his voice. You listen for his voice. He speaks through donkeys. <laughs> so he can speak through anything. I mean, I hear his voice speaking in movies. I, I, I'll hear a movie. I'll, I'll watch a movie and one line will come across and it'll be like, boom, write it down. It's awesome. He'll speak through movies. He'll speak through books. Not necessarily spiritual books. I mean, he'll speak through anything. A Civil War novel or something. And something will, wow. He speaks. The rocks will cry out. The scripture says, speak to the earth and it'll teach. The earth will teach us. The earth will speak of him. The invisible things of God speak of, or the things that are made speak of the invisible things of God. So we're always listening for his voice, in, especially in the body of Christ. I'm not saying that we're to be this, you know, lone ranger. It's just me and God and I don't need anybody, that kind of attitude. But we are not dependent on man. That's the point. We listen for his voice in the voice of our brothers and sisters with humility. You know, but the final arbitrator or arbiter of his voice is your own spirit. The Holy Spirit has borne witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And that's safety, that's freedom, and, and it's encouragement because men don't see what God sees. And God knows what your destiny is. He knows your giftings. He knows, he knows what he's got planned for you. And to let someone else... Um, 
structure and direct your life is not of God. Men are not called to structure and direct your life. Only God can do that. Isn't that cool? If a leader has not himself or herself experienced God's grace, they can't teach it to somebody else. That is exactly right. That's exactly right. And, and I'm saying a lot, of, a lot of these people are doing it with pure motives. They mean well. They think they're helping people. Even Jesus said their day's going to come when they'll kill you thinking they're serving God. But they do it because they, know not, they do not know me nor my Father. So that's exactly right. They, you cannot teach what you don't know yourself, what you haven't seen yourself. And so that's, that's exactly the problem. And so, it, so it's more than just in these churches that have these, uh, these uh, legalistic leaders. It, it, the, they don't need reform. They need to be plucked up and start over because the foundation is wrong. Reform is not the answer. Um, because if you, see, if you see believers still in their sin, and that's, it's foundational. That's, it's got to be God sent Jeremiah to pluck up and pull up and plant and build. And that's what sometimes has to be done when people get off base. Um, another thing Paul said was so cool. He said, Paul said this as an apostle. He said, if any other man preaches a different gospel than what I'm preaching... Or if an angel appears to you from heaven and tells you something different than what I'm telling you about what Jesus did in, in the removal of all your sin and the gift of righteousness by faith and the, the awesome work of the new creation and the gift of the Spirit. If, any, if an angel appears and tells you something different from what you've heard. Or, Paul said this, three things. Any leader, any person, or an angel. And then Paul said this. Or if I change what I told you yesterday. If I go nuts and I give in to the devil and I start preaching a different gospel, Paul said, don't listen to them, don't listen to the angels, and don't listen to me. Isn't that awesome? What does that tell you? It tells you by the Spirit of God that you have not only the right, but the responsibility to judge what you hear. I I don't care if it's a leader. I don't care if it's an angel. I don't care if it's Paul, he said, if it's Paul. Paul said, if I change what, I've, what God has revealed to me and I start preaching a different gospel, don't listen to me. That's cool. That's cool. That's freedom. We know him and he wants us, just like Paul says when you prophesy and there's prophetic utterances, he says, the rest of you judge. You don't judge the people. You judge what's being said because we prophesy in part. We see in part, prophesy in part. So people are not going to prophesy perfectly the word of God sometimes because it's working through men and, you know, natural, the flesh sometimes. And so you'll have a prophecy that, wow, that, there's part of that. I really felt the witness of the Spirit, but the rest of it, I'm not too sure about that. So you judge. You judge what you hear and you receive what you can. Well, it's the same way with the gospel. You hear someone preaching a gospel that's distorted. You have every right and really every responsibility for your own soul and your own life to not get trapped into some kind of false, distorted gospel. Isn't that cool? And, um, and it, what's, what, tell, what that tells me, Paul was, Paul was confident in the truth. See, when you're confident in the truth, you're not afraid to release people to Christ. When you know the truth, you want them. He goes, he goes, oh, you Gal- Oh, sorry. He said, oh, you Galatians, you know, 
um, you who want to go back under law, have you not read the law? You know, you Galatians, you know, you're, you're wanting uh, men, these Judaizers have come up here and told you how to live and what you need to do and how to be right with God. And what, what are you doing going back to the law and trying to earn your righteousness and trying to perfect in the flesh, having begun in the spirit? You know, you Galatians, I travail, I'm one like travails in birth again to Christ be formed in you. In other words, he was so wanting them to be free to Christ himself. Stand fast in the liberty that Christ has set you free, see? Because then you can hear clearly from him. And when we, and when we don't hear clearly from him, that's where the body of Christ comes in. You know, like Paul said, you know, you have a, uh, in the Ephesian letter, he talked about the brothers and sisters that some of them were getting involved in slander and backbiting and wrath and anger and all this stuff. And Paul's answer to that was, not to search your heart for sin because they had no sin in their heart. It's the flesh, the flesh which wars against the spirit. So you cannot do what you will, what you want to do in your heart, your new heart. So what did Paul say? He, he didn't say go delve into your flesh either and try to search out why this is all happening either. Maybe it's your inner child. Maybe you were hurt when you were a child. You don't see that in the apostolic writings. What, do you, what you see is Paul saying, you did not so learn this from Christ. If you have heard him and have seen him for the truth, the, real, the reality is in him. Isn't that awesome? The apostle always brought it back to Christ. You didn't learn that from Christ. That slander and backbiting and malice. That You didn't learn that from him. If you're seeing him, hearing him for the truth is in him. He's talking to them as if Jesus was in the other room or maybe inside of them. See, he had such confidence to release the people to Christ. Hear him, see him. He will teach you. He will lead you because you as a new creation have been made in his image. So how are you going to find out about yourself? Find out the one you're made in the same image. It's logical. Find out, find out if I can see the one that made me in his image, then I'm going to see me. That's exactly right. See, if sin has been relegated to the flesh and in the body, in our members, as the apostles taught, and that is not really me, as Romans 7 says, when I sin, but it's sin in the flesh that's warring against what I really want to do in my new heart, then why do we go to the flesh to try to find who we are or try to correct who we are or try to improve for God has buried the flesh and raised a new creation. You see how awesome this is? I mean, you, the, your being has nothing to do with sin. The seed of God abides within you, First John says, and you cannot sin. The real you. First John, the seed of God abides within the new creation and the new creation cannot sin. That's awesome. We still sin because we're in these bodies and the power of sin is in the flesh and the flesh wars against the spirit. And sometimes we trip up and James says we all stumble in many ways. Yeah, it happens, but that's not you. So why waste time looking at something that God doesn't even recognize anymore? He didn't recognize Esau. That's the evil twin, so to speak. Esau, a picture of our old man, Jacob, the new man. He doesn't recognize Esau. He's dealing with Jacob. Jacob, wake up. Don't you see who you are? Jacob, you have an open heaven. Jacob. Learn my ways. Jacob, look at my face. Jacob, your real name is Israel. Jacob, wake up. You see? Esau's not even part of that. It's, 
it's so liberating. It is so liberating to grow in the awareness of the new man. And you start putting on the deeds of the new man by simply resting in the reality. You go from faith to faith and glory to glory because faith is what releases the power of God. He who believes on me out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. And you're connected to the water of life. And so it flows through you because you've been made that way. The new creation is actually designed to live in complete dependence on another. We, the branches, he, the vine. It's actually part of the structure of the new man. The new man is actually made that way. We're not made independent of God. The new man is actually made joined to him. That's actually the place where we live. I go to prepare a place for you. In my father's house, in me, there are many dwelling places. So when he raised us up in himself, you can't get away from him. You can't escape. That's who you are. To live is Christ in union. That's who you are. And he fills your heart. The Romans says, Romans says the love of God has filled this new heart by the Holy Spirit. Has poured into our new hearts the love of God. We have been baptized, immersed into him and he into us by the same spirit. And been made to drink of that spirit. Isn't that awesome? That's who you are. This is the truth that sets us free. And that's what builds us up in each other, you know, um, builds us up in the faith so that we come to the fullness of the maturity of Christ that he's manifested. So the real issue is getting the gospel right. Because, see, no man can touch that. No religion can control that. Um, My sheep hear my voice and they will not follow a stranger. I know them by name, Jesus said. They all shall know me from the least to the greatest. They shall know me, the Lord says. They shall know me. And they shall all be taught of the Lord. That's the promise of the new covenant. They shall all be taught of the Lord. No longer shall men say, know the Lord, know the Lord. No longer shall there be mediators to teach you what God is like. No longer shall they say, know the Lord, know the Lord. They all shall know me. Because I shall teach them myself. Because I shall remove the barrier that keeps them from me. I shall remove their sin from them as far as the east is from the west. I shall call them accepted in my beloved son. I shall raise them up from the dead. I shall join myself to them and they shall hear my voice and they shall see me. Awesome. That's true freedom. That's true liberty. And that's how, you can, that's how he maximizes his life through us. In all humility, brothers and sisters together looking to him, hearing for his voice in our brother and sister, but allowing no man or no institution or no doctrine to come between us and him. Simplicity of Christ. It's awesome. You feel the witness of the Spirit? It's, it's blue skies. It's the Holy Spirit sent down from heaven to focus on him, to show us him. And it's, it's awesome. And this is what saints need to hear. Saints need to hear the truth that their heart is not evil. The believer does not have an evil heart. They can hear from God. God can hear 
them. Do you know what's, what's so cool? Romans 8, it says the, that sometimes we don't know how to pray as we ought. I'm preaching, preaching some of the stuff I'm going to share out there, I think. But um, we don't know, how, we don't know how, we're, we don't, how to pray sometimes. And, and Romans 8 says the, that the Spirit prays within us. And he, the Father, who searches the mind of the Spirit, knows the will of the Spirit, the will of God, for he prays exactly according to the will of God for us individually. So when God searches your heart as a believer, in the Old Covenant, it was, search my heart, Lord, show me if there be any evil way. Lead me in the right way. They had no new heart. Jeremiah 79 says, the heart was deceitfully wicked and evil. The new creation had not yet taken place. Regeneration could not happen. The Spirit could not yet be given because Jesus himself was not yet glorified. But now, in this new covenant, behold, I do a new thing. Consider not the things of old. Now the Spirit searches, the Father searches the heart. And what does he find there? He finds a praying heart. That's awesome. Whether you're uttering it or not, words too deep to be uttered, Paul said, when the Father searches your heart now, he sees the Spirit joined to your spirit, praying exactly according to the will of God. With moanings and groanings sometimes too deep to be uttered. Isn't that awesome? When we don't know what to say, we can say, Lord... Thank you that you can hear your own heart in me. It's awesome. And that makes you smile, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Pray without ceasing because it's always happening within. And really, all you, you got to do is get quiet and you can hear the prayers happening. Just get quiet and watch thoughts come up to you. It's the Spirit praying. For you individually, the will of God for you. Awesome. Peter saw at the very beginning of the church when he went to Cornelius' house and they went back to Jerusalem in uh, chapter 15 of Acts and they had the Jerusalem meeting, you know, and and he was trying to convince his brothers, his Jewish brothers, that the Gentiles, they're in this too. Because I was in this Gentile home and they received the Holy Spirit like we did. And then he said this, God cleansing their hearts by faith. Peter saw it too. Cleansing their hearts by faith. A new heart. See, it's not a matter of the heart being cleansed in a gradual, progressive way. The heart cannot be cleansed. It's not a process. You can't, there's no process that you and I can do to change the heart. The only process in the believer's life is a process of the renewal of the mind. That is a process because we are seeing things more in our minds, understanding things more today than we did a year ago or more than five years ago. So that's a process. The renewal of the mind, the, the, uh, the new man awakening to what is, is a process. Like the dawning of a new day. It doesn't happen, you know, it doesn't go nighttime and then bam, oh gosh, noon, bam, nighttime. You know, God made the the coming of a day, gradual light, you know, the morning star rising in our hearts. 
It gets brighter and brighter into the perfect day. That's, that's his way to reveal himself to us. Because we probably couldn't take it. We really probably couldn't. The mind couldn't grasp it in these bodies. Because we're still working through these brains. The infirmity of our flesh. Jesus even said to his disciples, I have many things to tell you, but you couldn't bear it now. I mean, what if he just told them? Like one time he just told Nicodemus. He said, Nicodemus, what if the Son of Man, right now, in front of your eyes, would ascend back into heaven before your eyes? The Son of Man who is now in heaven, standing in front of you. What? See, too much. You couldn't handle that. He said, you know, what if I ascended into heaven, and then you really saw who I was, Nicodemus, and yet, that's where I am right now, Nicodemus. And that's where you are, seated with him. Isn't that awesome? He couldn't, Nicodemus couldn't, he said, what? I have many things to tell you, but you cannot bear them now. But when the Spirit comes, he shall show you all things, Jesus said, that belong to me, Jesus said. And now to you, Jesus said, because you're in me. The Spirit is given to show us the deep things of God, Paul said, not the flesh. The law revealed the deep things of the flesh. The letter of the law, through the law, is the knowledge of sin. The law is what exposed the flesh and caused sin to increase and caused us to come to a place of despair and say, who can be saved and, and get to a place of where every mouth is shut. So no man can justify himself before God. That's all about law. That's all, that's all that was about. Because the heart is evil. We are born with in iniquity, the scripture says, when we came into this world. But now in him, we have a new heart. And we don't go back to the law to try to live our life. We, ne- we no longer serve after the letter of the law. We no longer serve God in the letter, in the oldness of the letter, but in the newness of the spirit. And that means we simply rest that we are sons and daughters now. And as we see him who created us in his image, it's a dynamic that's unexplainable. But as you see him, we are transformed. That which is in gets out. Work out your salvation. Work it out with fear and trembling. Fear and trembling means in the Greek with no confidence in yourself. Not fear and trembling, fear of judgment, but no confidence in yourself. Same phrase Paul used in the Corinthian letter when he said, I was with you in weakness and in fear and trembling, not trusting in my own persuasive speech, but in the power of God to preach the gospel. See, no confidence in the flesh. So work out your salvation. Let it work out. Let it manifest this awesome salvation with no confidence in the flesh. For it is God who is at work, not you. It is God, the next line. For it is God who is at work, who is at work both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. As we simply abide. And that's what Jesus said. If you just abide in me and my words uh, abide in you. The revelation, this revelation, these things that I wanted to reveal to you, that the Spirit is revealing to you, that they abide in you, you shall bear much fruit. Anyway, so I just want to share a few thoughts about, about that because you need to be aware. You know, we need to be, we need to be wise as serpents but harmless as doves. Wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. And the enemy would love to get in your mind in, in a way to make you feel like, wow, I, I, need, I need man to, 
to structure my life, direct my life, et cetera, et cetera. And that's, when you open that door, then you open the door to authoritarianism and heavy-handedness and all kinds of weirdness that has nothing to do with God at all. Following some man's vision, but not really what God has said to you. You know, that's what I love about Clark. Clark is just so, he so wants people to hear God. He doesn't want to be people's God. And we shouldn't want to be either. It's so cool. He, he has a heart. He says it over and over again. We have ears to hear. We have eyes to see. God has given us ears to hear and eyes to see. We can hear. We can see. And that should be what we shout from the housetops. And the bride responds and said, yes. It's cool. Well, I'll just pray for these saints. I don't want to say any names, what church it is or whatever, but pray for these saints and pray for any, any brother or sister you run across that has been under a heavy-handed authoritarian leadership that has made them feel like worms. That's part of their deal is they make you feel unworthy and... You know, um, that you could, you know, you never measure up. And um, they even use the old thing in Galatians where Galatians says, um, Paul says that the, this type of thinking will seek to separate themselves from you that you might seek after them. In the letter of the Galatians, he says, this is one of their tactics of the flesh. They separate themselves from you um, so you might be lonely and, and uh, feel like maybe I made the wrong move. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe I am Unworthy. Maybe I'm the one that's proud. Maybe I'm the one that's arrogant. I'll seek after them and get back plugged in. It's been going on for centuries. Fleshly manipulation. Separating themselves from you that you might seek after them, Paul said. But you stand firm in what Christ is showing you. And he will lead us to life and peace. I know I'm speaking to people that maybe will hear this on the internet. Stand firm what God is saying, and you'll lead, He will lead you to peace. It's all there in the scripture. It's simple, 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 simple but profound. Changes everything. Changes everything. Jesus said that Jesus said that um, in the world. In the world, the greatest among you are the ones who have the most authority in the world. The ones who have the most authority are, are the, the ones who have the most, are the, considered the greatest. Like the president of the United States has more authority. So that's how the structure works in the world. But Jesus says, it shall not be so among you. But let the greatest be considered the one who serves more. And that's exactly the way it should be. Serves more. Because the giftings that God gave to the body of Christ, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, that, by the way, that word pastors and teachers is not really two words. It's the only place the word pastors appears in the entire New Testament. In Ephesians, they, they broke it out because they are, the Church of England had already used and before used the word pastor. They had to find something that justified their existence. So they, they, de- they defined that Greek word that is really shepherd into two words and said pastor, teacher. It's not a bad word. Pastor is a good word. But it's just four, there's four gifts, not five. There's the fourfold ministry, not the fivefold ministry. It's, it's apostles, prophets, evangelists, and shepherds. 
And men divided the word, the Greek word for shepherd and said pastor, teacher. But it still communicates what a shepherd is. A shepherd does pastor and teach. But where was I going with that? Oh, yeah, those, those gifts that are given to the body of Christ. The scripture says he ascended on high and he gave gifts unto men that they might feed his sheep, him. He ascended on high. See, the gifts came as a result of the completed work. They came from the ascended position. They came so that they might explain the ascended life. Acts 5.20 says, Go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. He didn't give the gifts before he ascended. As he ascended, the scripture says, he ascended and gave gifts because the very core of the gifting is to help the saints see how to live by the ascended life of Christ. Isn't that awesome? And that's what we have. That's what... Therefore, the, the gifts to the body of Christ are servants. That's the point I was trying to make. They are, they sit, they are under the body. They uphold her. They're not above her at like a pyramid like the Pope or something. No, they are under her, undergirding her. As Paul says, the apostles are last and they're beaten and they're imprisoned. And he goes, we, we apostles are the dredge of society, you know, rejected by the world, all this stuff. See, the gifts that are given to the body are to hold her up, hold the body up. Encourage her, not lord it over the flock, but as examples. And then what happens when you do that is the flock wants to be like the leaders. They want to be servants too. But if the leaders are like over here, then the flock says, I want to be like you one day. I want to have, I want to have my own flock so they'll wash my car too. And <laughs> that, that's actually out there. Because of a distortion of the gospel. Lord, thank you so much for opening our eyes to your, your goodness. We pray for these saints, not just for this church, but any saint, all the saints in the world that may hear this message on the internet that's going through a hard time because they have been hurt and trampled by leaders that know not what they do and they don't lead people to Christ and encourage the saints to see the finished work of the Christ. I pray that these leaders will hear the Spirit speak of the awesome forgiveness of sins that has taken place on the cross and move beyond the cross to the resurrection and understand the new creation. Thank you, Lord, for for your spirit that teaches us those things. For who can know the thoughts of God but the spirit of God? And the spirit has been given to us that we might know the things that are freely given to us in Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're with us always, even until the end of the world. You are the shepherd that does not break the bruised reed. You will not put out the smoking flax. Gentle, gentle and approachable. Our king coming to us on a donkey, on the foal of a donkey.
Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.